All right, guys, welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, uh, your Houston football podcast. I am here. This is a really cool show for me. This is a really, really cool show. Now it's more cool because we've just spent 45 minutes just chopping it up, talking about just anything and everything else. So now I really have a feeling like I know both of these people. Sarge, I know you really well, but I really got to know Brandon off camera. So uh, this is a big episode. We're going to recap the draft. We're going to talk about the Deshaun situation. I'm joined by Brandon Scott from Sports Radio 610. And big swords. Well, I can't do it. I can't do it like you do. I can't. Uh, can you do it for us? So that way we have it. Big swords. Uh, there we go. Big Sarge from Big Sarge Sports, and then Brandon Scott from Six Ten. Brandon, why don't you introduce yourself? I'm sure they know you because you're the one that asks the great questions at the press conferences. But just in, in case they don't, where can they find you? Yeah, man, Brandon. Brandon Scott, and I don't have nearly as great of an intro as Sarge, but. <laughs> you know, I, I am the baritone that you hear in the press conferences. I own that. I take that. I appreciate the compliments about the quality of the questions. Like, I do appreciate that. The one thing that I did know already that I was bringing in there, though, was the pipes, you know, because that's yeah. the one thing that's that's, a, that's something that God gave me. I appreciate it. And so that's your boy. That's me. You know, and, and I'm glad to be with you. It's, it's probably long overdue. We probably should have been done this by now. Yep. But I'm glad to be here. Y'all can find me at Brandon K. Scott on Twitter. I also do a podcast called the B Block Podcast. It's, it's pretty much weekly. Every now and then I'll jump in for another one if something pops. But that's pretty much it. And, of course, Sports Radio 610, just to give people an idea for, like, who I am. You know, I'm doing the press conferences, but I'm also kind of the, the digital arm. So the stuff you see on social media that's repurposed from the station you know, any clips and videos and, you know, pretty much the whole digital operation, anything that you see, that's your boy as well. So y'all, uh, y'all get with me, man. And you fill in for at times for, for midday, Clint Sterner, all that. You're, you're, you're basically all over. Yeah. That that's actually kind of a, a developing thing. You know, um, it, it wasn't, I don't think necessarily in the cars for me to do that in the beginning, but I think as time has gone on and, you know, we we keep covering the team the way we're covering it. And then, you know, I think that's uh that's opened up some opportunities for me to chop it up with the people a little bit. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for, for joining me. Sarge, why don't you give them a breakdown? Let them know where they can hear you, where they can hear that intro on a daily on a daily basis. Well, look, I don't have the, uh, the baritone. Because, like, B. Scott. I did. I'm just waiting for you. Merry Christmas from the Temptations. I want to hear him sing Bear, like Barry Manilow because I feel yeah. like he would just boom. Barry White? Or Barry White, sorry, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, hey, yeah, I was going to say, if you if Barry Manilow, you would have got something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta go, gotta I always go, think about I go call some banks. Got to go find Carlton <laughs> Banks and Barry Manilow for you. Have you guys heard Arian do the Barry, uh, the, the Barry White impression? I'm sure you guys have. Arian Foster when he does it? No, I haven't heard. Oh, oh, you guys have to have to YouTube it. He sounds identical. You would not even if if you would never know. Anyway, Sarge, tell them where they can find you. Okay, well, you hold on. Remember, we were talking about coming in. We were talking about music. Yeah. One of the most underrated rappers out there is Aaron Foster. Hey. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting take. We're talking Interesting about that take. I was not yeah. expecting that to, to go in that I, I also don't agree. Uh, <laughs> by the way. Hey, listen, what else is new? You, you look, you and the millions of people out there. So you underrated. 
<laughs> I'm on I'm on Twitter at Big Sarge Sports. I also have a sports talk with Big Sarge. 1 to 4 p.m. every Tuesday and Thursday on RaiseThePraise100.com. You can find me two to three times a week guest hosting with uh, Indy Kalu and Chris Gordy on In the Trenches at Sports Talk 790. Look, I don't want no beef. Okay, B? I was about to say. I don't want no beef. I'm just saying where you can find me, okay? (laughs) Hey, man, I got so much love for Indy Kalu and Big Sarge, man. Y'all go holler at them. Look, look, man, if you got the attention span, you can, you can, you can, Holler at all of us, you know, yeah. and, and yeah. it's probably best that you do, you know, if you really want to be informed and really want to have a good sense for what the conversation is, what the insiders think. We're always going to have 790 is always going to have something that 610 doesn't and vice versa. Exactly. You know, like, like and you're not going to like all of either of it. Exactly. So so like, you know, I work where I work. I get paid. I get my my check come the same no matter yeah. what. <laughs> I appreciate y'all listening, especially if I'm if I'm on if I'm guest hosting, come listen. You know, y'all y'all go listen, y'all go catch out, y'all go ch- check out Sarge on the back end. If I'm if I'm on, on six, I was just about to ask. You know what I'm saying? But Sarge is on more than me though. Sar- Sarge is on 790 more than me, so I'm gonna support that. Y'all go holler at Sarge, man. He's shining, man. So do that. Appreciate it. He is shining. And like I said, you can find me 1 to 4 p.m. every Tuesday and Thursday on RaiseThePraise100.com. And you can also, James is becoming a weekly guest, uh, man, you know, coming in with great knowledge, man. I really appreciate, you know, before we start, I really appreciate you coming on and dropping the knowledge. And even though if you don't agree with my, you know, my draft take, meaning how I don't like the NFL draft in the way that it's done, I know, even though we disagree still, man. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Always, anytime I can help, I will always do so. Okay, so lots to talk about. We pretty much recapped it all before we even hit the record button, but but we'll get back into it because I think it'll be very easy for all, all three of us to be able to do this. I think the first and uh, foremost, the, the, the biggest thing that is probably up is my son just tried to give me a kiss while I was on, on air. Forgive me. Um, I'm here for that. Uh, I'm here for that. I, I usually am too, but I was recording and he came in this weird way. I was, it was just in the, in the mood. Um, the Deshaun Watson situation. So originally this podcast, this episode was all not necessarily in the heat of the Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson situation, but it was really, I wanted to have your guys' uh, opinions on it. I, Brandon, I, I've listened, I listen to your podcast weekly. I think you probably had, I, I don't think I actually, you did have the best uh, opinion and and perspective when it came to the Deshaun Watson situation. I, I think it's very easy for people to go this way and that way. And I think you did a really good job of really mending the fences and, and having both sides and looking at it from both set of glasses. Um, so I think what it would be good is just, you know, with draft, we were, you know, we were going to talk about trades and things of that nature, but where do, where do we go from here? Like, is there, what can, what can be done with Deshaun Watson the Texans, like Brandon, is there anywhere that any way you see Deshaun suiting up for the Texans, or is that has that ship sailed? Is it just impossible? Does he, I don't know. Yeah, I think the ship is has pretty much sailed. I wouldn't call it impossible. Like if we, if we want to be realistic about it, right? And I think that's what we all want to do. I don't think we yep. want to be high in the sky. You know, we can be optimistic if you want, but let's be realistic. Sure. Yeah. I think a realistic perspective on it is it is likely that Deshaun has played his last down as a Texan, you know, and, and it was probably that way even before all of these the strange, you know, legal stuff started happening that we that none of us really anticipated 
I don't think it, at least not to this degree for sure. Even if you heard things, I don't think any of us saw this coming. So is it is it likely or is it far less likely that he'll play? I think so. I think I would put it somewhere less than five percent, probably closer to like one, two percent chance, you know, um, but that that's a, an educated guess and educated based off of what we've seen happen around the case and happen around the league, you know, uh, with what other teams have done, their contingency plans at quarterback and just what you think, what you might have imagined was possible for yep. Deshaun Watson is even or for, for Deshaun Watson trade mm-hmm. even different now, so much different now than it was when all of this drama first started when the season ended. So where do we go from here? I mean, I, th- I think it's pretty clear that the Texans are waiting on the opportunity to trade Deshaun Watson for what they still believe to be closer to the market value. I think what mm-hmm. we've seen is the market freeze and even to some degree, you know, kind of shrivel up a little bit because of what I just mentioned, a lot of the teams making their contingency plans. But the team that I always thought was the most likely scenario for Deshaun Watson is still a, a, a possibility. Mm-hmm. Like with all, all the doors that have shut, the one that I thought was probably one of the one of the two best, which if we go back, the best two scenarios as far as draft picks and what possibilities were, were probably going to be Miami and the Jets. Yep. Absent of like this long shot of trading for Trevor Lawrence, you know, trading for the number one pick, which I don't right. think anybody ever thought was realistic. So out of those, one of them is still a possibility. I think Miami still has the picks. They still have the things that I think the Texans would take back and feel like they were getting fair market value for Deshaun Watson. I don't think you necessarily ever win that trade with no. Deshaun Watson, but if you take the best case scenario, I think that possibility is still there. You know, Denver is still there. You know, going to get Teddy Bridgewater to me is not saying we're out on Deshaun Watson. That's a contingency plan, but it's not the same type of investment that Carolina's making in Sam Darnold, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So they're, they're both showing you their contingency plans, but their messages are different in what they're doing. Denver, to me, is still leaving the door open for Deshaun Watson trade, whereas it doesn't look like that's the case with Carolina, even though they seem to be a team that was more interested. Like I mentioned with Miami, still a possibility. All of the things that you need for a trade still exist. Mm-hmm. So I, I see eventually this being a trade scenario. When does that happen? That's what I'm most curious of because now, I mean, we understand this with this draft being over and, you know, now we've got a season that needs to play out. We don't know what, what draft picks look like now. Right. So if, if you trade them for draft picks, like out, outside of trading them for another established player – or collection of players, if you're trading them for a collection of draft picks, which we all believe is the case, you don't know what those draft picks look like, you know, um, outside of knowing the fact that Miami's got a bunch of them. Yeah. Right. So more than likely, this is a trade. I do hold, like as a fan, as somebody who cares about the team, cares about the city, likes Deshaun Watson, aside from these things that have been alleged, like my own personal interactions with Deshaun Watson, I've always, you know, enjoyed covering them and being around them. As someone who comes from that perspective, I am holding out the little slightest bit of hope that this whole thing has 
provided some perspective for Deshaun Watson and maybe he changes his mind. Maybe the Texans aren't as down on him as you might think somebody would be down. An employer would be down on a guy who's been accused of what Deshaun's been accused of. None of that is likely. It would be nice. I, I, I would be very much open to and would enjoy Deshaun Watson clearing his name and figuring out all of this stuff and these things that they're saying about him not being true or him not being liable or, or culpable or whatever the actual legal term would be. I would prefer that be the case. And then to go from there, he can get his name back can reunite with the Texans and everything's good. I don't know how likely any of that is. I think the only way that the, the only chance I see that he is here is if he's found guilty in the civil suit. And it's, it, it's more of just repairing his reputation and also the market just drying up completely. That's, and I still think that's a very like 5% chance, like you said, of, of happening. But I think that that's like the only scenario I could see where there's any chance he actually plays for the Texans. I can't see another scenario where he plays with the Texans. Yeah, but but then the tech sorry, you probably know this, man. They, the Texans, if he's found guilty in the civil suit, and like if there's if more credibility is lended to what's being said about him, the Texans don't want him at that point. Like, right. they're not, they're not even, with that. Even, so I don't I don't know if we'll ever find out if he's guilty or not guilty. There'll be a NDA, there'll be a settlement and a strong NDA, and it'll just be accusations, you know. He said, you know, he said, she said my word versus their word and things like that. When it, I don't think that Deshaun will ever play for the Texans again. And because he was already out on the Texans, yep. like, even before all this. And, you know, if if these allegations are true, he knew what he was doing. He yep. knew that he could potentially come out. And he still said, well, I just don't want to be here. I, I don't want to be here at all. And so I don't think he'll ever play for the Texans again because he just. He doesn't like the franchise. And I don't think that there's anything that they can do right now in order to repair, you know, to, to repair the damage that has already been done. Because, you know, there's certain people within the Texans organization, you know, in upper management that he just does not like. And now you it was almost like, you know, they drew a line in the sand. He's like, look, you either like me or you like that, you know, those people. I don't want to say that person, but those people. And if you side, and you know, you got to look at it from a Texan standpoint, too. It's like, yo, this is our organization. We're not going to allow one person, even though he is the face of the franchise, we can't allow that to happen. But here's the thing. Now, and, and B, I'm, I'm going I'm to ask you, do you think that he can still go to Denver now that Denver is pursuing Aaron Rodgers? Ah, see, you yeah. just took, you just took the clue. You just took exactly everything out of my mouth. <laughs> that was my that, that was my next question with, with all this Aaron Rodgers stuff. What does that do to this? Right. Like, let's say because we all know we all know Miami is the place. Miami's shown interest. Everybody's seen the reports. We all know you guys are more plugged in than, than I am. You guys know Miami has You're interest. In Desha- huh? You're plugged in. <laughs> well, I'm not. Miami has uh, interest in Deshaun Watson. We know that. Yeah. I, I've been told there's a package that has already been somewhat agreed to uh, for Deshaun Watson. But. At the end of the day, with these civil suits, if this drags on, right, a team can't send this trade during this right now. They just can't. This isn't a storm that, like, you can hire Amy Palsic all you want. She's not going to be able to handle that storm that comes her way if you trade for Deshaun Watson before there's a settlement or anything else is done in court. Yeah, and you don't want to. You don't. And you, you don't. don't no. You don't want to no, do that. Don't. And so I- what if Miami gets impatient and they're able to outbid Denver? 
for Aaron Rodgers, and Miami gets Aaron Rodgers. I don't. So here's the thing. I don't think my. I don't think Miami wants Aaron Rodgers. I think that Miami has always had their eyes set on Deshaun Watson, and that's who they want. I. I, I honestly and truly don't believe that that's that they will. You know, even put together a package to go get an Aaron Rodgers. But I, I've always thought that they wanted Deshaun Watson. And here's my thing. Deshaun Watson needs them. And this is going to ruffle some feathers and going to piss some people off, but I wouldn't be sorry if I didn't. Uh, Miami has exactly what Deshaun and his agent needs. A black head coach yeah. and a black general manager. They're going, yeah. hey, bro, we know what it's like. Come on over here. Let us help you repair your image. And not only do they have – like their, their head coach that they have – Comes, he has the lineage coming from New England as well. So he's like, hey, come on. You know, I, I I have my name, you know, holds a lot of weight as well. So let me come on over here. Let us, you know, let the league do whatever they're going to do and let us repair your image and then we'll put you back out there. And I'm also to the point where if I'm Miami, I'll give up one of my defensive backs in order to get Deshaun Watson. I, I, I would definitely do that because he's a superstar. You know what he can do. And like I said, you bring him over there. I mean, we all know his agent is definitely pro-black. And so, and Deshaun is, you know, even though he doesn't come off it like that all the time, but we know he's pro-black, but you bring him into that franchise, into that fold, and you repair his image, and then you let him go back out there. Well, David David is David is friends with Brian Flores, that, that, at least from what I understand. They're extremely close. Um, but I guess when you said that they're not, there's no interest in Aaron – I don't think anybody knew Aaron was available. I don't. I don't think any anybody thought that Aaron Rodgers was in play for anything until Thursday night. I mean, Kyle Shanahan said today on Rich Eisen that he called because he just wanted to see it before he wanted to turn every stone before he made the pick at three. He wanted to make sure that he didn't select Trey Lance, and then Friday comes and someone slid in and took Aaron Rodgers, and he's like. Why didn't I? Why didn't we know of this? Well, so, Aaron made itself available. Green Bay didn't. So Aaron's been available, even throughout even throughout the season. Aaron, in his mind, he's been available, but Green Bay is like, no, he's off limits. So I definitely understand that point. So yeah, here's, I, yeah, here's what I'm, here's what I'm trying to to understand, and I haven't got a good read on with the Aaron Rodgers situation beyond. The San Francisco thing, we know that's not happening because they drafted Trey Lance. But beyond like his fascination with going home, the idea of going home and this Denver thing, I don't really know. Like we have a much better sense for Deshaun Watson's wish list yeah. that we have for a long time than we do for Aaron Rodgers. They're, the difference, the I guess the the mechanical difference between the two is that Deshaun does actually have the no trade clause and can more so like officially dictate where he goes and Aaron can't, but Aaron is also established enough, likely already rich enough to effectively have the same thing, even if yeah. he doesn't have it contractually. So my question would be, where does Aaron Rod- where all does Aaron Rodgers want to go? And where does Miami even fit into that? pantheon or into that dynamic i don't know the answer to that exactly so the way i see it the only team that i see that could really benefit from and i know we're talking about deshaun watson but i the only team that i could see you know benefiting and and putting together something would be denver i don't i can't think of another team 
that could put something together without giving up a lot of quality assets. But the 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 point though is relevant though for as far as John Watson because it does create a competitive market for Correct. a new or an improvement at an upgrade, a significant upgraded quarterback. You know, and not we're not just talking about you know turning Ryan Tannehill's career around. We're talking about a franchise quarterback known commodity in Deshaun Watson and or Aaron Rodgers. And so it does have to be a concern. Like it's a valid question and worth monitoring. I think I do like it. Like for Texans fans, the people that are listening, I think you can be find some comfort in and, and take what James said, like to really to the bank that Miami and Houston, like, like this, this could happen. This could be a thing. Like there's, there is something there, you know, there have been, these discussions have been had already. So you already have the inside track or, you know, the, 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 the head start, however you want to look at it in that, in that regard, you do ha- at least have that part of it. The issue is like what James mentioned, do they get impatient? Do they get impatient before Aaron Rodgers gets dealt? You know, does, this, does the Aaron Rodgers thing, does the Aaron Rodgers thing ultimately die down? Is it, is, is it more, you know, is it more or more of a smoke thing anyway? But it, to me, for me, it's concerning about the market, though. Yeah, that's and, that's the way I'm looking at it. It's just the market from a market perspective. Look, there's never been a time in NFL history where two top five, actually three top five quarterbacks in one offseason have some either requested a trade or there has been smoke around them wanting out. Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers, all five or all three this offseason. This is this is when it started. And so you usually don't get the one. Right. You usually don't. Exactly. You usually don't get the one. Now, Russell's fine. It looks like maybe maybe they're fine. But Aaron is dug in. Aaron is Aaron is dug in. And from but from what I understand from Ian uh, Rappaport on NFL Network today, he basically said that they're not willing to trade him for picks because they feel like the roster is in win now mode. So if they take picks, that means that they're mailing it in and they're going to have to decide on how they're going to be able to put a bandaid on that and still compete. And, and he's actually right. Green Bay's roster, for all the talking points of we don't surround him with enough players, we don't do all these things, Tyler Dunn put out an amazing piece today that actually outlined everything that Green Bay has put together for Aaron Rodgers. And sure, he, he only has Devontae Adams, but he also has Aaron Jones, and he has a, a first-round quality running back behind Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. He has a top-three offensive line. He has Scantling. He has Lazard. And then he has a good defense. So I don't know where he's going to go that he's going to get a better system. But not only that, where is Green Bay going to go? Because their roster can compete now. So who who's going to trade? And, like, the, and, and what are you going to give them? But that's what I was going to ask you, James. It's like if you are if you are the GM of the Denver Broncos or the GM for the Miami Dolphins and Aaron Rodgers is there and Deshaun Watson is there, who are you taking? From a talent perspective, I would take – I'd take Aaron Rodgers. I think you're silly if you don't. I, I love Deshaun. I think he's a top five talent. But we also saw with that top – we've seen Aaron with the roster that the Texans had this last year, and they didn't go 4-12. and 12. They, they made it to the playoffs. Tell me, what year? Uh, I guess, you, every year outside of these last four. <laughs> They've had I some mean, good, good teams. Okay. They've had some talent, right? But like Deshaun too, he had he had he had Brandon Cooks, he had Will Fuller, you know, and, he had some young tight ends. Aaron Rodgers is better than Deshaun Watson. Yeah, it's just not 
you can't you can't say anything, and it's I'm only like, based on resume. I'm taking yeah. Deshaun, and the reason why I'm taking Deshaun is, and I like Aaron Rodgers. Don't get me wrong, I like Aaron Rodgers' machismo and his bravado. You know what I mean? You know, I like discount double check, but uh, I'm taking uh, I'm taking Deshaun because there's a I've seen I, I've seen what. How much longer can Aaron give me what he's got compared to what I'm going to get from Deshaun? Yeah, that's the that's that is the, that's the only thing. That's the only argument. Yeah. Deshaun, has, Deshaun has another decade. Like if you can trade for one, if you're trying to build your future, so it also depends on what your priority is, right? And and this whole like notion of win now versus planning Correct. for the future. Like if you feel like you can win a Super Bowl right like, now, like Denver did with Peyton Manning. Right. Then then it's more of a discussion. If you're trying to build for the future, then obviously you want the guy feel like going to be around for much longer. But to me, it's no question that Aaron Rodgers gives you a better chance to win just based off of the winning football that I've seen him do again with less talent, similar to what Deshaun has dealt with. Like we know. I, I feel like we know what we can get out of out of out of Aaron Rodgers for, for the most part. Well, and we also got to think like you're, when you look at Denver, right? They've seen this story before, lit, almost to a T. I mean, they trade for Peyton, or I mean, they sign Peyton. Peyton wins them the Super Bowl. They're competitive instantly. And then when you look at the wide receiving core and the talent on on Denver, they got Jerry Judy. They got Noah Fant. They got um, Cortland uh, Cortland Sutton. They have they have two good running backs, a decent offensive line, but they also have Von Miller and good corners and like they you know. I, I think that Aaron Rodgers slid in, into Denver. They're instantly a contender in the AFC in, in, a, in a spot where I don't know if you put Deshaun Watson on Denver if they're going to compete at the level that they would with, with Aaron Rodgers. I, I would take Aaron Rodgers in a Denver uh, uh, uniform against Kansas City in an AFC walk, in an AFC championship game over Deshaun in a Broncos uniform against Kansas City in the AFC championship game. But you brought up. But you brought up Deshaun going four and four and twelve. But look at what he had, and he had a career year. And so yeah. you give him better, you know. And I don't want to call these players bad, but you give him a better roster. Sure. You give yeah. him a better. You give him a better defense, right? You I think give, if you just give him better coaching, to yeah, be honest with you, that too. And so, and like I said, so you plug him into that Denver system as well with those and. You know, because Aaron is athletic, but Deshaun is athletic as well. And it's almost like, to me, I think that Deshaun could be Aaron Rodgers 2.0. And that's why I'm looking for the future and like, hey. Mm, maybe. I, I, I Look, I, I don't disagree with that. I would, I would go back to, James, what you were saying about Denver. You don't think, like you think if you put Aaron on, it makes them a contender and not necessarily with Deshaun. I think Denver is in a is in a win no lose scenario because I think if you put either one of those guys as the quarterback of Denver, they're a contender. Like they're a contender with with Deshaun, they're certainly a contender with Aaron Rodgers. I'm more interested in Miami, who I don't think is necessarily immediately a contender with either one. I think I feel like they're making somewhat of a bitter long, somewhat of a longer play a little bit, and and I could be wrong on that. They could be having having accelerated. You know, they were better this year than I thought they were going to be. You know, Will so, Fuller's in Miami, right? Was that yeah? Will Fuller's in Miami. So, like, I, I think that it, Deshaun makes more sense. I think Deshaun makes more sense in Miami. Aaron Rodgers makes more sense in Denver. Yeah, even though Deshaun makes 
plenty of sense in Denver as well. But Aaron Rodgers probably makes more sense there. But these things could collide because right. how strange it is that they would both be available at the same time. Yeah, and I think that's that's really the biggest thing. I, and I agree. I think Deshaun would make Denver a contender. I just think that Aaron pushes them over the top to where they're actually able to compete with Kansas City. I think Deshaun could compete, but I just don't know if – like like you said, like Aaron's an athlete, but he's not like Deshaun. But sometimes you don't – like we've seen what happens when you rely on that athleticism at the quarterback, specifically when you see what Deshaun does when he falls back on that, right? But then Aaron has the ability to place the ball in ways that most quarterbacks in the NFL can't. So it's just two different things, but both amazing quarterbacks, both amazing quarterbacks. All right. So I guess, I mean, God, we just spent 20 minutes talking about Deshaun. It's, it's very easy to do. Let's get into the, the NFL draft. I mean, everybody was in an uproar. I can't believe that they wasted a first-round pick. That's what you would think on a, on a, on a quarterback. That's, that's the way it comes off. Everybody's complaining about Davis Mills as if he was, we wasted a first-round pick on a guy that nobody knows anything about. It's fine. Uh Sarge, what was your reaction when you saw Davis Mills uh, was drafted by the Texans at, at 67? I was like, um, okay, so they're really moving on from Deshaun. That's the first thing. I was like, okay, so they're going to try to – I guess they're going to try this plug-and-play system, right? And, you know, because if you already got Tyrod and now you go out and get Davis Mills, like, is he, is he the quarterback of the future, though? And that's my thing. I don't know if they, if they could have used that draft pick to pick, pick a person that could have been – you know, someone that they could really, really use in the future. Because if, the, mm-hmm. if they end up going, you know, if they end up having another bad year and they get in a top three spot again, they're going to pick quarterback. And so now you just use Davis Mills to for what? When you could have found maybe a, a, another Justin Reed like you did in 2018. And so I feel like you, you bring him in and I'm not, so I'm not sold on him. And I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't watched, I, did, I hadn't watched a lot of Davis Mills you know, take, I hadn't watched a lot of film on him, but when they drafted him, I went back and I'm saying to myself, okay, I get it and what he could be, but I mean, you talk about a guy who locks in on one receiver and doesn't go through his progressions a lot. You talk about a guy who only had, what he, he has 11 starts and only had what, like 18 touchdowns. And when I watch him, I don't see a lot of mobility and that could be you know due to the fact that he's had multiple lower lower leg injuries lower body injuries and so I don't know if you're just getting him right now just in case I mean because Tyrod also has a history of getting hurt as well you know I mean the last time wasn't his fault I think he was (laughs) (laughs) I think the charge is actually like hey uh, hey, what was that? Uh, what was the movie that had Jamie Foxx? Uh, Any Given Sunday, I think yeah. that doctor from Any Given Sunday <laughs> was like, Hey, man, go ahead and just make the needle go down a little bit. And I think that's what happened to Tyra. But I just, I, I wasn't, let's just say like this when they drafted the other Stanford guy in the third round and Justin Reed, I was like, Oh, yeah, this is a good one. This mm-hmm. Stanford guy, I was like, eh, I don't know. Okay. All right, Brandon. What about yeah, you? So, so I'm gonna start with the bad first. The bad was that I I just didn't want I didn't want a quarterback in the third round, and that was due in no small part to me not really believing in the second tier of the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So, like, you could have given me Kellen Mond, you could have given me Kyle Trask, you could have given me Davis Mills, and I wasn't gonna be excited about any of the three of them, no matter which one of them it was. So let's just start there. I, I I was not extremely high 
on any of the quarterbacks. That being said, out of that next tier, he ended up being the last one taken of the three. So if you were going to give me one, and, and I'll also be transparent, I, I did see a little bit of Davis Mills during his time, but I watched way more Kellen Mond, him being at AM, and way more Kyle Trask, knowing already that he was from the crib, that he's from Manville. So I was a little bit more invested in them to begin with. So there could be some bias there that's existing. But for me, you went and got the guy who was considered to be the third of the of the next tier. You know, um, both pre-draft and how it ended up playing out in the draft. And so the bad for me is it's hard to be excited about or even be, you know, optimistic about getting that, you know, that number of, of quarterback in the quarterback class. Like you would to be optimistic about it, you would have to believe that, hey, either Davis Mills actually is the, the evaluations were wrong and he actually is say better than Kellen Munn and Kyle Trask and, and is somewhere along the tier of the guys that got drafted high or that this is literally that unprecedented quarterback class that everybody talked about and all of these guys are going to be good and Davis Mills is just one of them like and what's the likelihood of any of that you know and so it's, it's just hard to envision hard to really see that that's it now when you evaluate the player like just go Forget all that narrative stuff, you know, that I was just talking about and just go straight football. Look at the player, you know, look at the the ability to make the throws. The thing that Sarge mentioned about him being mostly a one read guy. I'm still trying to get a feel for that because it does appear that way on film. But at the same time, I'm not really sure if if. If that's not something that you can just coach up. Like, like, I like, I don't, I don't want to too much knock him for that because I do believe in the system that he's coming from. So I'm like, well, if he's a one read guy, that could be more so of an experience thing. You get him some experience, you improve on that. Aside from that, he does have the tools. He can make the throws. He's got an arm on him. And he's not this statue that I feel like when I read about him and I fear and I hear him being talked about being this complete dud of an athlete. I, you know, I assume that when I heard people talk about him, then I went and looked for myself and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm not actually seeing that. Um, maybe I need to look a little bit more. Or maybe, you know, I could be wrong. So people have watched it more than I have. But even on the first glance, it, like it, doesn't, it didn't take me long in watching Davis Mills to learn that this guy is not the statue that people were trying to make him out to be. Like I saw, I could, I'm trying to remember if it was, man, was it Oregon State? I forget which team, they, who they were playing against, man. But he got out of a, like it was, I'm not saying. Pre-rusher? Yeah, man, look. I'm Colorado. Maybe, maybe that's what it was because yeah. it did look like those, co- those colors. But man, hey, look, the, 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 the dude's got a little bit of something. Now, to be optimistic about it, I have to think that all those other things I mentioned earlier right. are, are possible, and it's just hard to do. But as a player, I'm not down on Davis Mills. I just didn't want them to draft none of those quarterbacks, and I did not think that they were going to get – I didn't feel like they were going to get a quality quarterback in the third round versus what they could possibly get – at some of those other positions, what I thought was revealing guys, and I'm interested to see really what y'all think about this, but what I thought was revealing by them going quarterback was, damn it, y'all must not have thought much about the defensive class. And I asked Nick Casario about that post-draft when we got a hold of him. Like, mm-hmm. you know, what was y'all's 
sort of evaluation of both sides of the ball. Like, what did y'all think about the depth of the on the defensive side of the ball versus the depth on the offensive side of the ball? Because what their actions showed me, or at least what I what I gleaned from, what I chose to glean from it, was that they did not think very highly of the at least the depth of the defensive side of the ball in this class. Because why not? You know, uh, several corners went not too long after that, and I want to yep. say at one point, like three, went, there was like three of them in a row that went. So I'm like, what? Y'all weren't checking for those guys. I, I thought that was very curious and interesting that they didn't seem to value the depth of the defensive side of the ball for the, as far as the draft class is concerned and see whatever it is that they see in Davis Mills, which, again, y'all just heard me talk about him. I see something. You know, I'm not saying he's a franchise quarterback. I don't necessarily see that. But I see a dude that can play in the league. But here's the thing. Um, and, and they saw something in, in all these other offensive players. This is the thing, and James, I, I know you're about to go, but I just want to throw this in really quick. If you were going to go that route, you've been knowing for the longest that Deshaun didn't want to be here. You could have jumped ahead of all of this. Deshaun told you he doesn't care. You could have brought in pres- uh, former President Barack Obama to coach his team, and he's like, I'm still not coming back. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. If, if Brock, if Brock was hired, I'm pretty sure David would be like, "Okay, yeah. everything is all right." But you see what I'm saying? I was like, you could have jumped ahead of all this and and potentially put yourself up to get one of those top tier quarterbacks, or even the you know even the second tier. But you put yourself in position to take, you know. And like I said, I put it like this: when I look at him, I'm like. I don't see him being able to have the mobility and the escapability that Deshaun had last year when he had oh, to get out not. of a lot of situations. Yeah, no, def- definitely not. Look, I there there is no comparing him, I, I think, as an athlete to Deshaun and even as a player. Like, like I don't want to get I don't want to get uh yeah, like I don't want to get um, you know, lost in translation with what we're saying. Like, I don't think, and this is part of the reason why I didn't want them to pick a quarterback. I don't think you're getting the level of player of of a Deshaun Watson. I don't think that you're getting a franchise quarterback. We talked about this pre-show before we started recording. Like if he can be Jared Goff, who obviously was a top pick, but you know, if in retrospect, we probably would view him in the context of a third or fourth round pick. If he can be that quality of player, if he can be, and, and I'm not saying that's a high quality player, but if he can be good enough for the circumstances around him for, are, are good enough for you to win, or if he can be a, a better comp, not perfect comp as a player, but ceiling-wise, if he can be Kirk. Y'all remember in 2012 yep. when Washington drafted Robert Griffin, and that was that was the headline, but, but the sub-headline was they also drafted this dude, Kirk Cousins, who all of us who follow football had heard of at Michigan State. Like, he mm-hmm. wasn't a no-name guy. Nope. So, so, so they drafted a, a, a guy that we've heard of in the fourth round. You know, and what ended up happening? They ended up needing both of those guys at some point, and, and playing. They ended up playing both of those guys at some point. You know what I mean? And so, and so, I, I just feel like for the Texans, and if you're a Texas fan, like the best case scenario that you can hope for is, man, if if the guy who you hope is your quarterback, which is probably Deshaun Watson, if they, if that guy can't be your quarterback. Maybe this guy that you that you that you drafted drafted for depth and, and and thought was a you know high value for where you got him. Maybe that works out. I will real quick. Um, I wanted to say something to to Sarge's point that he just made about why didn't they uh, why didn't they address this earlier? Let's not forget this very key point. And I I tried to hit on this with Nick Casario in 
the pre-draft press conference, and he does a great job of of, yes, of Stonewall and, and, and not necessarily answering the question. I didn't ask it as, as well as I wanted to, but I don't think it can be understated how much this Deshaun Watson situation really screwed them in their draft plans once they accepted that they weren't going to have Deshaun Watson back. Like, they clearly had that period there where – they wanted to keep him and maybe figure out if they could salvage the relationship somewhere around that David Cully conversation. They, you know, reality hits. And I feel like that's when they really feel like they're going to trade Deshaun Watson and want to. And then all the rest of this stuff happens, you know, you, so you talk about the maneuvers and the things that they should have done. It cannot be understated how much of a factor Deshaun Watson should have been and could have been and hoped to have been for the Texans in this draft. Like, for me, and this is another reason why I didn't want a, a quarterback in the third round, because, and this might have been dense of me, I'll admit. I, like, I will self-critique. But for me, I thought either, you know, pipe dream, Deshaun Watson is still your quarterback, <laughs> or, or, or more than likely, Deshaun Watson gets you your new quarterback. You know what I mean? That's the, that is the trade piece. That is the asset that gets you the premium pick to where that quarterback is going to be available. That that caliber of player that you feel comfortable replacing Deshaun Watson with will be available. I did not imagine it being just this, you know, number 67, you know, the third third round pick that we just happened to have. The, a, a leftover pick of the ones that we didn't give away, you know? Yeah, I think uh, – so it was, like, it was Colorado State. Uh, and he has a free rusher right off the edge. He has like a he has a thing on his knee, like a, like JJ Warren's his arm. He yeah. steps to the yeah. left, just a subtle, a very subtle step. That outside linebacker rushes right past him. He then straightens up, for perfect mechanics, and throws an, a ball outside the numbers, and it, it was absolutely beautiful. So I, I remember that play because I, I just watched it last night. Like I, I agree with you. Here, here's my thought on on Davis Mills. I think um, I think it fits the mantra that Nick Casario has and the narrative that Nick Casario has already put into place, and and that is that this team, at least for this year and and likely moving forward, is going to be based solely on competition at every single position, no matter who is there. And I think that that pick was just one of those. Okay, we brought in Ryan Finley, we have Tyrod Taylor. This is the best quarterback on the board for us. So, like, Mark Vermin came out today, and I guess uh, Davis Mills' sister said that he got the call before Trask and um, uh, A&M quarterback. Mon? Yeah, Mon. Yeah, before Mon uh, was actually drafted. So, they already planned on taking him ahead of those two. Um, so, I think he just wanted to take the best player available on his, on his board. Davis Mills was him. They need competition at the quarterback level. That's really the one area that, you know, everything else, there's 22 linebackers. You know, they're only going to carry six or seven. So, you know, they signed every linebacker that could have been known to man in free agency this year. Uh, they signed a ton of, they signed a ton of corners and they signed, they brought in some wide receivers. So I just think that they want to see if the, he can compete. You know, Nick had no cards at this, at the table this year. He basically came into a job as a general manager thinking he had a starting franchise quarterback that's now gone he had no first round picks no second round picks he's just grasping at straws to see what you can do <coughs> excuse me and i think he's going with the new england mantra of 
drafting a quarterback every year, and maybe you hit, and maybe you don't. So, James, let me ask you a question. Do you think that um, do you think that Nick Casario did a better job than Brian Gain did? Because I think Brian Gain hit hit it out the park with what he had. Because he did, he 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 came into it with the same scenario, and think, his first year. I don't think you can say it. I don't think you can say it. I think it's going to take some time. I mean, I know it's like instant reaction. I have no idea if I like ate something right before or what, but I'm dying here. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to have to grab some. I'm going to grab some. But, um, who talk for, for a living, so you know we can you get Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't think you can really judge the two or compare the two. Um, Brian Gain had a really good draft. I mean, Jordan Akins is one of my favorite players on the Texans. I, I don't think he gets enough love. Justin Reed's great. Um, but considering it were three days removed, it's going to take some time to see really, you know, what this is. I love Nico Collins. Uh, I, I was a big fan of Nico Collins before this draft. I think that was the exact type of wide receiver that the Texans needed. A 6'4", 215, jump ball wide receiver who's very physical off the line. Uh, with with uh, especially his release on press is is probably he he probably would have been a first round talent had he had played in 2020. Um, so I love the Nico Collins draft. Um, I just think that I don't know. I don't think you can compare drafts yet. I, you have to wait two to three years before you can really see what players are actually or how they are and, and how they play before you can actually go back. I liked Brian Gain. I know a lot of people are like, oh, he's you know he's stingy with money and. All. I thought actually the way he handled that offseason, given the situation, I I actually thought he did pretty well. I like him. I tell you what. I tell you what. If <laughs> if you could go back and know what you know now, yeah. Oh my god. Oh my <laughs> yeah. god. Like yeah. the alternative, and I, I would I would love to have this conversation with Cal and, and just an honest conversation on or off the record, preferably on, so so the people could hear it. But I would love to hear the truth of, hey, Cal, if you had any idea that firing Brian Gain would result in what it resulted in, that you guys ultimately fumbled the whole original Nick Casario pursuit and that that wasn't going to happen and you would be stuck with having your coach and whoever he trusted most and that just ended or and whoever you trusted most and that just happened to be Jack Easterby, mm. those guys being the ones that's going to run the show. You should have kept like whatever differences, whatever you didn't like about your guy, your personnel guy. Like you got you got to swallow that and, and and go with it. Like, what would you have done if you had any idea that your plan was not going to work? I would I would love to know, because it's not like like whatever the criticism was, he couldn't have been that bad to where you want to no. sabotage the franchise for a year and a half, two years. You know, yeah, yeah you know you're right. To, and getting back to uh to that draft pick with the picking up a uh, Nico Collins, I will say this: the one thing that I like about him, and you know, and once again, I didn't watch a lot of Big Ten football, but when I did watch it, you know, I, uh, the games he did play, he stood out, and he stood out with a quarterback who was very, very, he underachieved. You know, based off of what what they thought he was going to be. I mean, you look at it. Michigan never had any great quarterbacks, and this guy still performed on the field. And so, going out and getting him and saying, you know, because they're uncertain at the quarterback position here in Houston, like I guess you're looking at a guy who can make something happen. You put him on the you know the other side of of Cooks, and you see what you know. You see what you can get, especially when you got you know my guy Kiki Kuti in the slot. 
everything gonna work out. Hey, yeah. You know, uh, real, real quick, I, I wanted to make a quick point about the position thing, right? Because you know there was a lot of attention paid uh, paid to they didn't go enough defense. I was one of those people who wanted them to go more defense heavy. Was thrown off by all of the offensive moves. One of the things that I turned on a little bit, or that I, I felt like once I slept on it a little bit, I had a little bit more perspective on was the fact that. As bad as the defense was, right, they weren't going to get much worse. I know they lost J.J. Watt, and that's a big deal. But that defense wasn't going to get much worse. Quietly, guys, quietly, the positions that have taken – two of the positions that have taken the biggest hit, if we accept this Deshaun Watson situation to be the reality that it is, two of the situations that took the biggest hit for the Texans were quarterback and wide receiver. And, you know, and, you know, when you think back on the season, you're like, oh, well, Deshaun Watson had a historically great season. Um, you know, the receivers were actually pretty good, even the ones that we didn't know much about or have much expectation for. Chad Hansen got some love from the from the fan from the fan base. Kiki QT, once Bill O'Brien got out of there, got to get back on the field. And there were some good things to feel about about the passing game. But Will Fuller's gone. That was your best wide receiver. Brandon Cooks, very, very, very good football player. But if that's your number one wide receiver, that tells you a little bit about your wide receiver room, more than mm -hmm. likely. And then mm -hmm. the situation with Deshaun is what it is. That means you need to address that position. I don't think I gave nearly enough credit for the downgrade that you were getting at these positions that were very good the year before. I would echo what y'all said about Nico Collins, too, though. When I looked at his tape, I'm like, Man, I'm not necessarily impressed with him as a route runner. One of the things that like stood out to me was that he never seemed like other than like busted coverages or or plays where he was just like clearly more athletic than the other guy. Maybe somebody that had no business on the field with him or something like that. For the most part, he was never really open and that never really seemed to matter. No, throw that, throw that dude the ball and he going to yeah. go get it like to hell with getting open. <laughs> just throw me, throw me the ball and I'm going to go get it because I'm bigger, stronger, fat, and, and nastier than the other guy that's guarding me, basically. So that's the one thing that I love about him, and I, I can appreciate that element of a receiver. But, yeah, I, I wanted to point that out, that a lot of people who were fixated on fixing the defense, and I'm not downplaying that, they got to address that. And, yeah, I'm, one of the, I'm like you. I would have liked to have seen them address more defense in the draft. Don't sleep on the fact that they are not as good at two very important positions on offense, quarterback and wide receiver. The first picks that they got were quarterback and wide receiver. May not have made sense, that much sense in the moment, but if you really stop and think about it, kind of makes sense. Yeah. And I also think, like, with the defense, I, I, I'm like you, Brandon. I, I thought it would be all defense, to be honest with you. I, I didn't think there would be any any skill players, any, anybody taking on the offense. Maybe if a guard fell, I felt like they would take a guard. But outside of that, I did not feel that there was going to be anybody on offense taken. I thought it was going to be corners, defensive ends, defensive tackles. That was it. We'd, we'd have seven, eight of them. They'd all compete, and that'd be that. But um, that wasn't the case. But I think also with this defense, and this doesn't seem to be brought up enough, like the coaching last season that – that these players received was not very good from a techniques perspective, from a scheme perspective, these players really weren't put in a position to succeed. I, I honestly think that if you would have just actually had a better coach, better defensive coaching staff and a better DC, that that four and 12 season probably would have looked a lot better 
because a lot of what the, he had Lonnie playing safety for the first time and he had no clue. He trained all offseason to be a cornerback and had no idea until OTA started that he was going to be a safety. Like Can that tells you one thing. <laughs> your point, too, just to illustrate your point, you had a you had a corner playing safety and a safety playing corner. Right. Lonnie, Lonnie playing safety, Eric Burry played your nickel, your slot. Like it was it was very but go ahead. I just wanted to point that out. Like yeah. that is whenever I want somebody that did not follow the Texans as closely as we did to illustrate to them how bad of a football team that was and how bad of a defense that was. And you just talking about it just made me have to interject. I always point out to them, you had safeties playing quarter and quarters playing safety. That's how bad it was. But go ahead, Jay. Let me get it right. No, you're good. It, but I, I guess that's what I'm trying to say is I think with all everything that they did in the offseason, they, they brought in a ton of free agents on the defensive side of the ball, and it's all competition, right? But if they just get better coaching, and, and if it really is the best position, which is something I've been screaming for the last five years. Bill O'Brien's had his favorites. Those guys play. It really doesn't matter about the competition. You know, Whitney Merciless shouldn't have gotten the contract. Jacob Martin should be getting more snaps. You know, wherever else you want to go look. Gary and Conley, I, I felt like, should have been playing even more than he played in the first season um, That once we traded for him. Like, th there's just a ton there. And uh, now you're going to see guys play because they earned it. it. It's not about draft value. It's not about salary value. It's, it's literally about who's the best at this position. And if you are the best, you're going to play. And, and that's that's how a, a successful football team is built. It's not built on anything else. You know, good head coaches don't have – they don't care about your feelings. They care about putting out a winning product. And and ultimately, I don't know if David Coley's that guy. He seems like a player's coach. But, you know, I think his staff is. And then – so I don't know. That's, that's kind of my thought on the defense as a whole. Um, but I would have liked to – like Nate Hobbs. I guess we were going to try to get Nate Hobbs in the fifth round. And then uh, the Raiders jumped in front of us and took him. Um, so – yeah, I don't know. That's that's kind of my thought on on everything. But so you think that it, with Levy coming in here, do you think that he can he can change the entire mindset of this defense and get them to play better? Like I, I guess, and you know, I know that Levy has a, a a proven track record. You know, as far as his time when he was a, a former NFL head coach. But what do you think that he can he's going to do different that Anthony Weaver like Anthony Weaver couldn't get out of him, and, and they like Weaver. Like he was like Weaver was very well respected in that locker room, but I don't think it was Weave. I think it was just the lack of like Weave being able to implement his scheme, the locker room fully feeling like it's Weaver's locker room. Like you had the cloud of Romeo Cornell basically over you the entire time, right? Like you came up with him. The players all know him. You know, it's one of those situations where it's like your best friend becomes your boss's boss, and then you end up skipping your boss. Because your best friends, the, like that's your best friend. Even though he's the main boss, you're going to skip your boss because you're going to go to where you're comfortable with your relationship. It's very similar in this situation. I felt like last year. I think Weave is going to get another shot at being a DC. And if he had full reign, I do think that we we saw some of it early on in the season in Kansas City. We saw a lot guys were getting in. They were getting snaps that should not have gotten snaps very early in the season. Then Bill O'Brien was fired, and then all of a sudden. Every the guys that shouldn't have been playing were playing. I, I think that it really is going to be as simple as like the schematic change is obviously going to be significant. I don't want to sure. downplay that because that matters. But I do think like if we just go evaluation on the defense, the two defenses, the 
one that we watched and covered in 2020 versus the one that we might anticipate is going to exist this year. I just think that they're better, you know, like absent of the, the JJ Watt thing, we'll see how that plays out. But like, they just weren't like, I, I agree that they weren't coached very well, but they really just had dudes along the defensive line. I mean, yeah. if we're just honest about it, they, they did not stand out along the defensive line, Ross Blacklock, who may, some you know some of you you know film folks might have a better feeling for Ross Blacklock's potential than I do, but when I watched him in rookie season, I just I did not see it, and and we'll, I'll wait for it, but I didn't see it in his in his in his rookie year. They were not good on Orlando, and and he couldn't you know he couldn't get on the field, like, couldn't get off a block, couldn't get off a block. So I mean. They weren't very good up front. That's why the run defense was as bad as it was. And then they couldn't cover nobody. I think that they're better in the secondary than they were. Like, I know people were upset about a lot. Well, some people, and even I was to a degree, like, why are you bringing back Vernon Hargraves? Why is he on this team? Well, I get that. I mean, I understand the frustration, but if Vernon Hargraves is, is in his proper context, is, is in the proper place on the depth chart, then that's all right. You know, yeah, if, it, if it's four or five, if it's somewhere far down, hey, somebody got hurt, now we got to throw Vern yep. in there type of situation, that's different. But he can't be your number one, number two corner. No. What are you doing? You know, so that's not going to be the situation anymore. They're better at the places where they were weakest, you know, like the linebacker and safety play, you know, not great, but I could live with. It was really the the – First, first and last levels of the defense, they were just not, it, just not straight up, not good enough. Period. And you know, I don't know how much that affected scheme and the way you know, game plan and went and all of that. Like I could imagine, you know, knowing that you're that bad up front and that bad in the back end, two pretty important places that that could hurt you as a coaching staff. If they're better this year, and I anticipate that they will be, then that could just be. It could really, honestly, Sarge, be a matter of you got a better collection of dudes in there and hopefully lovey's effect you know i'm not necessarily that necessarily sold on lovey smith but i do like some of the things that he has to say and some of the mentality that he brings about saying hey we're gonna focus put this amount of focus on creating turnovers and you know even if it's all talk for now like i i, I can't at least appreciate that that they did get some better players add a little bit of depth at least i think so and the mentality changes along with it. Well, here's my thing. I think that one, a minute he was going to have an amazing year. I think this is his breakout year. Two, for Ross Blacklock, he just had he just had a real bad rookie season, a real bad welcome to the NFL. You know, you you, you look at a guy who has been probably the most athletic guy over over time he's been the most a- a- athletic guy you know through high school on that at most athletic and overpowering guy powering guy on the defensive line when he was in high school then he went to you know in tcu he was and then you have to learn once you get into the nfl yes you can still use your athleticism you know but these guys lift weights just like you do and then they you know, these guys are more in tune with their body. You're going up against veterans who've been doing this and know the little intricacies and nuances on how to, you know, hey, Ricky, you ain't learning shit. I know how I can take advantage of you compared to using just that brute strength to be able to move offensive linemen around. And so I think that this year, you know, a year of being able to sit back, go over what he messed up on and, and how he can improve. And I think that's where Lovey will come into play as well because you think about it, Lovey as coach, some of 
some really good defensive linemen as well. He's coached some really good defenses. And so he can sit him down and say, okay, here's the thing. This is where you messed up. This is where you were really good at. Let's just go ahead and see what we can, can do to improve your game. And I think that once he learns how to, you know, you know with the, the schemes and the gaps and things like that, I think that it was just, you know how they say in the NFL, you know, you have a lot of players come in and say the speed of the game just changed so fast. Mm-hmm. The speed of the game. I wasn't ready for the speed of the speed of it. And I think that's what happened with Ross. I think that the game sped up on him. He wasn't able to catch up till maybe later on in the season. Well, I think PJ Hall had a, had better, in my opinion. I was really surprised we didn't bring him back. He had more on tape than Ross had. Uh, I liked the disruption that we saw from. It wasn't consistent by any means. I'm not saying PJ Hall was this all pro, but you saw more from him than you saw from Ross. Yeah, I would love to know what the real story is behind. I don't think we ever really fully figured yeah. out what happened there. Um, so I, I would love to know that as well. You know, me also being a Sam Houston State guy, like PJ was coming in when, when I was leaving, you know, and, and stood out immediately, you know, and has turned out to be, you know, a pretty good pro, I think. Like, I, I'm i surprised that PJ, like, his career has, like, that this has been the story of his career because he's been, to me, a productive player. I would agree with you, what you say. I like what you said too, Sars, though, about, you know, maybe – Maybe it, it was just like those rookie growing pains for Ross Blacklock because I will say, and, I, and I, James, I think you would agree with this, that all of the physical traits, at least from what which I was telling me when, when, when the Texans drafted him, that all the physical traits was there. You mm-hmm. know, I wasn't super familiar with Ross when, we, when, when the Texans drafted him. But when I read and listen to everybody that I trust, it, it, it's there. It's, you know, you know, physically it's there. And then so that's why I was so disappointed you know, to see him get shoved on the ground like I did a couple so many times this season. And I'm thinking, oh, man, I, you know, I thought it, I thought at the very least, you know, this was a this was a do. So, I, you know, I I, I want to see it, man. And that's another dude that's from the city. So uh, and, do, and a lot had to do be with with the fact that, you know, <clears throat> from talking to, you know, talking to Indy, right, former defensive lineman in the NFL for 12 years, right? Yeah. Indy, Indy told me one of the first things that, you know, that you have to learn how to do is to get your footing. If you don't have your footing right, you can be as strong as an ox. Yep. But if your footing is not right, and the deep – and excuse me, the offensive lineman sees that, they'll take advantage of you. And then as time goes on, it they watch more tape. They'll be like, oh, this guy doesn't know – how to properly place, you know, his feet. He doesn't know how to use his feet to do what he needs to do. He keeps trying to use a lot of his hands and his upper body. And we don't care because if you don't have your base up under you, I can just do whatever I want to to you. So I think what happened to Ross coming in, he still tried to use a lot of his upper body compared to learning how to position his feet. And because ND even told me that sometimes, you know, you may have a guy who some may think is mediocre, but, he keeps getting to the, you know, getting to the back. I put it like this. Um, and this guy isn't mediocre by any any means, but um Halogi Nada, right? Mm-hmm. Am I saying his name correct, right? Halodi Nada. Halodi. Halodi, yeah. Yeah, who used to play for the Ravens, correct? Yep. And have, Lions. Yeah. Have you ever watched his tape? Like, have you ever watched I haven't? If you go back and you watch some of his highlights, look at his feet. He is so quick. 
and know how to use his body, even at that size. And that's how he was able, on top of having that strength, that's how he was able to get around a lot of people. So they teach Ross how to use his, you know, how to get his footwork, how to how to use his lower body better. I think he'll have a better year. Well, and I also think I, I agree. With, I agree with you 100. percent You know, I think playing in TCU, his hands, like you mentioned, his hands, like he had violent hands. Like that's <laughs> every single every single pro, like draft process or draft you know analyst was like violent, violent hands. And I think because of the competition that he faced at TCU. He was able to get by with having violent hands that his base was never formed. He never realized that his base was needed because he was able to just penetrate. But then there would be times where he would play. I, I forgot the tape, but the, he was playing a – I don't think it was Alabama, but it was a school like that. And that center just stonewalled him all game. Ross got nowhere, and it was because of his base. And that was the biggest knock on him coming out of college was that his base was not strong. He had no proper footwork. He had no mechanics in his base. And yeah, you're right. Like if they could teach it, that'd be awesome. But yeah, I don't know. That's good. I, I love listening to y'all say all that because that that's what it looked like. <laughs> <laughs> Everything y'all just said, that's exactly what it looked like, man. I love that breakdown. I, well, yeah. I, wish, I wish my guy would have had better footwork too. He would have probably had more sacks. Layden Van Der Esch, your favorite linebacker. Did you really just curse me? <laughs> like I thought we was going to no, 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 no. I wish. Didn't it, you say he was a Hall of Fame linebacker before we got on, though? I thought that's what you said. I just wish he would have played some college. I mean, I wish you would have played some high school games at night. I don't oh, think okay. that. Maybe, <laughs> maybe they didn't have the lights set up in the backyard. Have you ever watched it? Like, wait, hold on. Have you ever watched his high school highlight tape? No. It's all during the daytime. It looked like it's all on Saturdays. And I'm saying to myself, I thought only Pop Warner played on Saturdays. Like, you may get a day game here one time in, in, um, in high school, a day game here, a day game there, but all your highlight film is from the day. I'm like, is this at Fun Stadium? <laughs> where, where is this? This is who you play for, the Little League Oilers or something? No, man, don't don't curse me like that. I was talking about. I wish that Davion Clowney would have had better football. Uh, he's my favorite. He's still my favorite. He's still my favorite. I, I don't care what anybody says. Nobody will ever be able to talk me off the sledge. He is my favorite NFL defensive player. He is the best football player defensively to watch on film outside of like Aaron Donald and prime JJ. This guy is so ferocious. I hate that he's not here. I loved watching him play. I hated seeing him leave. That's for me. Everybody's upset about Hopkins in the trade. I was more upset that we just did not give this dude the, like the opportunity to truly shine. Everything was ran through JJ to where he could not, he could, he could, he was used to free up JJ. Like that's on true. film, it's literally on film. You could see it, JJ. So that uh, that's gonna go down as one of those things for me. I hope it's like a thirty for thirty. Like you know, they they show they show that 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 clip in Michigan laying out right at what was supposed to be, and then they go, you know, they do the whole thirty for thirty thing, and then it's like you just follow journeyman Jadavian Clowney in the NFL because he just never what, gets it together. This is what makes people mad when I say this, James. Because I'm listen, I agree with you one hundred and twenty four percent, right? I agree. What people get mad at me is when I say, go back and watch the tape, right? Go back and watch film when JJ and Jadavion is in the game together. You'll see JJ bull rushing, doing whatever he wants to do on one side, while Jadavion take a a, a read step and step back. Now he's covering somebody out the backfield. Or, you know, he's dropping back in coverage. JJ doesn't never drop back in coverage. Never. Never. It's almost like 
they were playing, JJ, you do what you want to do. All right, rest of the defense, this is what I'm calling. And a lot of times people get caught up, just like I like I say in, in basketball, people equate greatness to scoring. And I was like, it's so much more to basketball than just scoring. And on the defense side of the ball in the NFL, people equate greatness, you know, the when sacks. it comes to the front seven, the sacks. And I'm saying to myself, mm-hmm. Look at everything else he's done. He may not have gotten a sack, but you know what he prevented? That third and five from happening because he picked that running back up coming out the backfield. And he couldn't – like, I understand they can move J.J. from, you know, from defensive end to defensive tackle. I get that. But Jadavion can play with his hand in the dirt or with it, uh, standing straight up, and nobody gives him that credit. And they get so mad when I was like, man, Jadavion did way more than J.J. did. And it's like, what? I was like, well, let me just take you back to the game that I like to always reference, and that's when they played against the Cowboys with Tony Romo. And Tony Romo made J.J. Watt look crazy because you know what the scheme was? The whole scheme was, if you look at that game, the whole scheme let was – let J.J. through. Yeah, let J.J. run, and I want to step exactly where he yep. was supposed to be. He JJ always over-pursues. I didn't mean to go off on a tangent, man, but I'm a Jaday. I mean, you're right. This has been – can I just tell you all, this has been my favorite moment of the podcast so far because <laughs> I've been preaching and not nearly as well as y'all just did it. I've been preaching all of these points that y'all just put out there to whoever would listen. So y'all are preaching to the choir right now with me. I could not agree more. I could not agree more with any of what y'all just said. I would just like to co-sign and say, I'm glad to know y'all and, and <laughs> thank you for saying the things that needed to be said bless you two brothers for doing that i have been trying to tell the world this like you can and, and even and you don't even have to be i'll say this too for for clowny for clowny's uh credit you don't have to be a football f- savant or uh you know film expert f- to to appreciate jadevian and clowny yeah. at least you shouldn't have to be because there are certain things that you may or may not know about a scheme or about what's going on in a football game, but what should be obvious to you if you just understand how the game works, what the goal is on both sides, you should be able to tell when one guy physically beats the other guy. Okay? That's just the basic thing. And so that's one thing. Before I get too caught up in technique and, and really the intricacies and nuances of the game, I look at the tape and say, who's standing out? Who exactly? Who, who's the guy that's like whoa, 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 whoa? Who's that guy? Who's that guy? And the, and the Texans didn't have no guys like that last year on their defense. And and JJ every now and then was that guy, but of course we knew JJ was a shell of himself. If that's the if that's the best you got, a a, 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 a diminished JJ Watt who sometimes is flashing on film. You don't have nobody else. Nobody else really. Zach Cunningham flashes on film every now and then, but really for the not most part, last year. Not not last year. He he got better Tyrell over Adams. And and, and Tyro Adams for somebody that that I'd never heard of or didn't know much. Of, <laughs> didn't know as much about until then. Yes, but for the most part, they didn't have guys that stand out on film. Jadevian Clowney, don't tell me about how many sacks he did have or didn't have. I'm not interested in that. And, or you know what? Better than that. Go ask the people that's, that are that are tasked with and responsible for blocking yep. Devian Clowney. Nope. And Devian Clowney doesn't do the job that he's paid to do. Man, that's hell. Yeah. That's, that's hell dealing with. And they'll tell you that. And it, he's and it a looks, game wrecker. It looks like it. It damn it, it looks like it when you when yeah. you watch. So I appreciate y'all for saying the the uh, 100% gospel truth 
on Jadevian Clowney. You know, I was debating the other day with somebody about there was a discussion of because Jadevian didn't live up to being the number one overall pick. I think we can agree with that as well. He didn't necessarily yeah. he didn't necessarily live up to what you would ideally expect the number one overall right. draft to be. And so from that perspective, you could call him somewhat of a disappointment in that context. I get it. But there was this discussion I was having about whether he's one of the top 10. If Jadevian Clowney is one of the Texans top 10 draft picks ever. Yes. And I'm like, I would have a very, very tough time naming 10 guys that the Texans drafted that were better than Jadevian Clowney. D'Amico. You're you're not going to get to 10. You won't. You can't. Uh, D'Amico, DeAndre, Andre, Deshaun. Deshaun, obviously. Um, Who? Arian? No, that's undrafted. Undrafted. Arian's undrafted. Yeah. Uh, Cushing. I'm not a big fan of Cushing, but no. Yeah. Okay, we we can say it. Okay, I I didn't know if this was a safe space or not. So, yeah, like okay, because Brian Cushing to me is Leighton Vanderesh in your mind. Hey, Brian, my- that's a nice shirt you have on. <laughs> a nice shirt, man. Home sweet dome. I like yeah, that. Yeah, that's certain things you can't say and you can't say. <laughs> um, <laughs> the white people love Brian Cushing, all because. All because he took his helmet off that one time and headbutted that dude and then started bleeding. Every white person in Houston was like, oh, my God, that's me. I love him. Wasn't a guy like that? <laughs> <laughs> Bless you for being the one to say it. Bless you for being the one to say it. Work out. Like that was on the program, right? Uh, yeah. The movie, The Program? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Is he even um, guy? Oh, I'm talking about the one on the program, not the one that played for the Texans. No, you're talking about the movie, right? Yeah. 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 What about Will Fuller? Yeah. Is he is he is Will Fuller a better football player than Jadavian Clowney? Who had a more more of an impact? Jadavian. And and okay, from a film perspective, yes. But would Deshaun like if you take Will Fuller out of these last two seasons? Okay, so hold on. Now, so now that you brought this that is up, now we're going down a rabbit hole. Okay, this so hold is, on. see what I'm saying? Now this is this is this this 45 so, minute podcast is now turn. It's going to be a four hour podcast. Brandon's wife is going to find me on Twitter <laughs> and let me know <laughs> why isn't he home for dinner? <laughs> but here's the thing, though, James. Here's the thing. So if you say that right, yeah, then we're going to have to look at it like this. When I look at Jadavion and the positions that he played. He did a multitude of things, you know, on his side of the field. He, like I said, he could rush the passer. Yeah. He could he could cover out Play the back. He could drop him his own. Will Fuller, you just go run. Hey, run straight and fast, Will. No, no, no. We're not I've doing never that. seen Will run. No, no. Route. He is not mm-hmm. a good route runner, James. Don't, oh. 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 Hold on. Oh. Hold on. Be ready for He's this. not a good with route the, runner. With DeAndre Hopkins him on the team. Cooks. Oh, uh, this is, well, Will, Cook, Will Fuller. Cook. Will oh, Fuller is a better route runner than Brandon Cook. Cook. No, Brandon Cooks is a great route runner. Will yeah, Fuller is the Will best Fuller. route runner. And Will Hopkins. Fuller was a better route runner than DeAndre and Hopkins. Coming out of Notre Dame, what was the knock on Will Fuller? His hands. He fixed it. When? I mean, every wide receiver has drops except for D Hop. <laughs> exactly. 
Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, but we no. can't compare him to the great. I don't think that Will Fuller is a great route runner. I just don't. Oh, I've only seen him. I've only seen him catch. It's because he runs too fast. No, it's because he runs too fast. So it doesn't look like the route is that crisp. But it it's what there's a reason why. It's not his speed that makes him uh, open all the time. It's when you pair his speed with his route running. Yeah. When you yeah. put those two together, that that's that's what that's why he was open every time the ball was thrown. Because you can't put four three speed. Tyree kills four three speed. He's not a great route runner, but he just burns him right. Just burns him. But but Will Fuller, he he was kind of like I don't want to say like Andre Johnson in the sense I'm not comparing the two, but like if you remember every great Andre highlight. Andre was always by himself. Like Andre would always like every. It's like Andre only was open. Like you, you would <laughs> like every. Just go look at every highlight. Andre's always at least five to seven yards away from everybody, and it's because yeah. he had great route running. That's what separated him. And so that's what I say. So, but I mean, I look at it like this. I mean, oh my god, now it's slipping my mind. I can't. I'll still take Clowney over Fuller though. Yeah, <laughs> me too. I can't That's, think that is interesting, though. I, I, I'm yeah. gonna have to pick on that. That is an interesting clown of your fuller. What is the wide receiver's name out of the, uh, from the Chargers? Oh my god, Keenan Allen. Yeah, who 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 you think he's a way better out runner? Keenan, Keenan, Allen, Keenan Allen's the best route runner in the league. Well, yeah. it's also yeah, saying, him, Devontae, him and uh, uh, Devontae Adams, yeah, him and Devontae. Stephon Diggs runs pretty good routes too. So Ooh, that's a good. He a, he does run good routes. He runs good routes. See, right? I didn't that, that one didn't come to me, but that's a, that's a good one. But I I like I like Devontae for my money and Keenan and Keenan yeah. Allen. The players will tell you straight up, like yes, yeah. they all team. say it. He's the best yeah. route runner in the league. And so that's what I'm saying. So like when I'm watching Will, I was like, oh, Will's open because there isn't too many defensive backs that can stay in front of him. And so, yeah, but you said he is not a good route runner. I don't. No, you said it. Sure. Yeah, I did. Oh, you, no. You, you, no, Hold you on. said he's not a good route runner. Hold on, James. If you know anything about Sarge, you know that he gonna, he going to plant that flag. Yes, I know. He gonna stand next I, to I, I just wanted to make sure you I'm knew like, what flag you were, you were posting. Morgan. Oh, Captain Morgan. That's good, right? <laughs> I don't think he's a good route runner. We'll see. What are you? I am shocked by this. I am, I am so too. surprised that you had – such great insight on what makes the Devin Young clowny great. You had such great insight on what Ross Blacklock needs to do with his feet and his mechanics and how he needs to get right with his technique. And then you can come out here and told us that Will Fuller is not a good route runner. I Big Sarge, that. I am surprised <laughs> you. I stand by that, man. I, I, I oh just, my God. I don't wow. think. I just don't think. I mean... I just don't. Let me ask you guys this. We're, we're going to end on this question. We're going to end on this question. Since we're talking about Will Fuller. <clears throat> if Will Fuller had never had the injury history, let's say he was just the healthy white. He was DeAndre Hopkins, okay, from a health perspective. Who would be the better wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins or Will Fuller? You go first, B. Well, so Will Fuller has. You know, it's always a good conversation when some. Uh, uh, you always know yeah. that the conversation is going to be good when it starts that way. Yeah. So, because I want to be careful with this, because I do think that DeAndre Hopkins obviously is the better wide receiver, but like Will Fuller's got the just the physical traits, kind of got some of those things that you can't teach. Honestly, man, like before I say which one, I think it also comes down to variety, right? There are different variety of, re sure. of receiver. Like DeAndre is that 
catch radius. Who would you rather have? Oh, I would, I would rather I would rather have DeAndre because to me to me DeAndre DeAndre makes up Will Fuller to me is not the type of receiver that makes up for poor quarterback play and DeAndre DeAndre does DeAndre is going to be great no matter who the quarterback is Will to me I feel like needs at least a competent quarterback you know yeah. to give him the ball and so so that Chris route running and that speed can be appreciated. No, I honestly thought like real quick I honestly thought that. For the downgrade that they had by by losing DeAndre Hopkins, because he's far and away to me a better receiver than Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks, I thought that they did get a better combination of route runners when it was mm-hmm. Brandon Cooks and Will and Fuller. Will Fuller. Now I would much rather have DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller, or DeAndre Hopkins and Brandon Cooks, some combination that includes DeAndre Hopkins. So to answer your question, James. DeAndre Hopkins, but, 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 I do think like we had uh, David Shaw was on the, was on Sports Radio sixteen yeah, day, and I thought he did a good job of talking about he was he was talking about quarterbacks, but it can, we, we can apply this to receivers in what he was saying that you know sometimes you just got the variety that you like you got yep. like you like the standstill pocket passer the one that can throw it like a rocket you know throw it a country mile that's the type of guy that you like or Sometimes you like, you know, the dude that's mobile, a, a guy that you can, you know, run options with or, you know, and, and, and just have more of a mobile type of offense with. So, you know, which guy is better? You know, who knows? But maybe one guy is more specific to you. For me, more specific to me, I like the guy who you can just throw it up and tell them to go get it more okay. so than just a burner. Right. So I would go with DeAndre Hopkins for that reason. But. Damn, I didn't think about that, man. The, with the context of, man, what if this? What if this guy? Because it's always been, hey, man, you know, Will Fuller only gonna play eight games, but what if you could just right. pick the eight games that he played? Wouldn't that be dope? <laughs> and run the hey, but look, <laughs> I would say this: um, if I'm, I'm taking for well, first of all, D Hop all day twice on Sundays. I mean, that's my play on words. Oh, and also, James, before your uh, for your stands come after me, make sure that you tag me and it's Big Star Sports with a Z because I know once they listen to this, they're going to come after me. You know, all your film study guys, they're going to come for me. Just tell them to put the proof on there on for multiple games. You know what? Tell them to put whatever is on tape after the Detroit game from last year. My 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 my, my follower my followership is very very kid cuddy esque. They're very cultish in yes. a sense. Yes, I I would agree. Uh, <laughs> and so they might they might come get you. Um, yeah, but 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 they might not because of the Jadavian stuff. Because wow. they know that I stand on the highest building and the highest cliff and scream that as often as I can. Anytime I get a chance, it usually comes up. So you might actually get a pass from them. Because you actually, we just had a podcast with three people that, and they're probably going to be shocked. They'll be like, oh my God, three people just said the same exact thing about Jadavian Clowning because that never happens. And so I, I put it like this I'm, uh, to get back to your question, though, I'm taking, I'm taking DeAndre only because he brings so many intangibles. And you think about it, man, before he got, before he got Deshaun Watson, he played with 12, 11 or 12 different quarterbacks. And his production never changed. 
Everything about him still changed. That's why I was so surprised when people got mad. and was like, well, why should we give him money? Well, he signed the contract back then. Yeah, but he's made three all pros since that. Not pro bowls, all pros. So here's a guy that you're going to, that you know that once you put him on the field, you know what you're going to get from him. I don't know if I'm going to always get that from Will Fuller. Even if he's healthy, you know, he doesn't get the PED um, suspension. If he stays, that's why I threw out that show me the tape after the Detroit mm-hmm. Lions. Anyway, if he stays healthy, though, I still would not not say that he's better than D-Hop, man. D-Hop, uh, I put it like this. D-Hop is in my top five wide receivers of all time, though. So, and that's just because of. What? Yeah. Wait. I, no, 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 no. What, yeah. Why did you have to keep going with these Skip Bayless takes? These are not Skip top, Bayless takes. Top, top five all time? D-Hop, yes. No. No. Not at all. I put it like this. I put it like this. Do you know why one of the reasons outside I'm going to go grab some coffee. This is going to be interesting. Let's go. <laughs> you, do you know one of the reasons why I like Tom, Tom Brady so much outside of winning the Super Bowls? Because He's good. He, he did more with less. He did sure. more with less. D-Hop's production, I mean, you think about it. Sometimes I thought that the, the second-string quarterback from Yates was playing quarterback for the Texas one Sunday, or, like, maybe they had snuck Case Keenum in. Like, I don't know who was playing quarterback, but what I did know is that whoever was on, whoever was back there was going to get a great game from him. And not only that, I've seen this guy play injured and hurt, and – when I say, when I put him in there, that's the type of person that I look for on the field. Like D-Hop, you put D-Hop and Deshaun, uh, give them, let them stay together for some years. You're telling me that D-Hop doesn't go? Because he's. you don't think he's first ballot Hall of Fame? He, uh, this is what I think. I, I don't think he's the best Texans wide receiver in the history of the Texans. I think Andre Johnson is a better wide receiver. You didn't eat something. You smoked something. That's why your face no. like that. You're over there choking. No, no, no. I, I, I honestly, and I, I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to assume that Brandon might actually agree with me here. But I think Andre Johnson yes. is a better overall wide receiver than DeAndre Hopkins. And we all give DeAndre his props for what he did with the terrible carousel of quarterbacks, but we never, ever talk about how Andre only had Matt for four years and outside of that, the rest of his career was gone. We don't ever talk about how he was never used in the red zone with Gary Kubiak and how he would actually be up there with TDs if he was used properly. We don't talk about any of the things that DeAndre went through, right? No, I'll give you that. I, yeah. I, most definitely. Andre's a better wide receiver. Andre, Andre is, the clo- is one of the closest things that you can find, and this is one of the things that's going to irk me when it comes time for him to yes. go to the Hall of Fame. Because people don't necessarily realize this, he's the closest thing that you could find to a perfect football player. Like, like yeah. he is, he is, cl- he is a pretty much. Like, I'm trying to think of what would my critique even be. You can't have Andre. the only thing that I would say about Andre is that, and and I just saw Andre on uh, a week ago today at the Houston Sports Awards, stood right next to him, and Andre, for as big and as stout as he is, you would think would is even bigger. Like, I, like I'm surprised to see that he's not as towering as as I would like I'm expecting him to be like a power forward when he walks through because of the way that he played so when you look up and you see he's only about six two six three and you know he's uh I mean a, a fit looks like he could still play right now I but believe like it. but not a 
not an imposing figure in that way, as imposing as he was as a player. Like it's that is really one of the more shocking things to me that he's actually not as big as he played. Like he is, he is as close as you could get to the perfect football player. I wouldn't necessarily say that about DeAndre. I think that Andre is a better route runner. Yeah. You know, not if we were talking about route running. Both both had just impeccable hands. So, which is really the most important thing about being a wide receiver. So but it's really he hard. It's really just like putting hands at that point. And say that, again? You know, I, Andre Johnson is by far. Let me say this: Andre Johnson is the number one wide receiver to ever play for the Texans. I, I'm going on record by saying that. I like D Hop. Because I know if it's third and seven, and I don't care where he he's gonna go eight yards, nine yards, and I just throw it in the area, and he's gonna catch it. Like you, you, you gotta well, think it. This, was man like that went, too. this man went three consecutive years. I think no more than that. I can't remember the amount of years, but with less than five drops for the year. Like you think of didn't he go a season without dropping a pass? Yeah, 109 consecutive catches. You see what I'm saying? So, like that for me. Yeah, but then he came back. Then he did come back the next year and start the season off by like dropping. Like, what was his like name? Six. Like six. Wasn't that many? I was gonna say like, it was, was six. Like, it was yeah. six. Yeah. So, that's what I'm saying. And here's the thing. This is my main reason for putting Andre Johnson number one wide receiver for the Texans of all time, because he's drug Cortland Finnegan. <laughs> nah, but, okay, but okay. So let's get back to the original conversation though, and then we really got to let Brandon go. All right, you so you just said he's the best Texans wide receiver, right? So therefore, there's one already, okay? Mm-hmm. Jerry, Randy, Carter, Chris Carter. Yes, I'm hoping Terrell Owens' name come up at some point. Uh, Terrell T- Owens, T.O. should have been first. I'm not naming oh, them in yeah. order. I'm not naming them in order. I'm, I'm okay. just naming them as they come. So that's five. Then you got then you got Tory Holt, Calvin Johnson, Isaac Bruce. Not over D Hop for me. But you still have five. The five I said at first, you cannot argue. No, I no, I have D in my top D Hop is over Andre. But you just said he's that Andre's the best Texans wide receiver of all time. So how could D Hop be I feel like he look, LeBron James is the GOAT. KD is my favorite. No, he ain't. No, he so ain't. That's what I'm but. saying. Yo, no, LeBron, I'm a Laker fan, you know, and LeBron is not the GOAT. He's my favorite player. You see how that works? So Andre is the number one wide receiver to ever play for the Texans. He's just not – he wouldn't be in my top five mm. as far as all-time greats. I'm putting DeAndre there. Mm. Mm-hmm. You sure you're from Houston? Uh, 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 yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I put him there because, like I said, I it's the intangibles for me. And, like you said, look, at least – Okay, I put it like this. Name the consistent nah. quarterback. Name the consistent year after year quarterback that D Hop played with. At least, at least Andre got some type of consistency, right? I mean, DeAndre had two years with Deshaun. Two. Two. How many did And then he got traded? How many you say Andre had uh what did DeAndre that? do? What what DeAndre do last year with Kyler Murray? Come on now, bro. What? Well, he, he could do it with TJ. He could do it with with all these, but he can't do it with Kyler. Hey, but, can I? Hey, real quick, sorry. I got, I got to point something out that you just said. You just said a word. Oh, man, Sarge, I love you, bro. You just said, you just said intangibles. Okay, 
Now we can talk football all day long, but ain't nobody got the intangibles that Andre Johnson got. That's part of that's part of the that's part of the niche. DeAndre, Andre, look, and I'm not, I don't want to sound like I'm dunking on DeAndre Hopkins, who I liked a lot and wish was still with the Texans. I wished all of the things that happened over the last two years never happened. If I could take it away and take it back, I would. <laughs> but, 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 when we talk about intangibles, maybe because it's fresh off my mind, I'm just happy to look in and back, back my way into those Houston Sports Awards and got to hear some incredible stories from Gary Kubiak. And, and and eavesdrop on on the Matt Shives and Kevin Walters of the world. Talk about the glory days. Doggone Dante Robinson showed up. I mean, like, I was not ready for that. And so maybe because that's fresh on my mind, but nobody talks about intangibles. And that's part of what I was saying about the perfect football player because he got it all physically. Like, he got the, all these things that you can't teach. And then he got all of the things that you try to teach and that that doesn't just necessarily register with everybody. And I'm not saying that DeAndre Hopkins isn't a hard worker, but the whispers that like they could have never slandered. They could have never slandered Andre Johnson the way that they did DeAndre Hopkins because he would have never opened the door for that. Like whatever, the, whatever was lost in translation about DeAndre's work ethic and him not practicing the way they wanted him to practice or whatever it was or they didn't like his lifestyle and all of that. Look, I ain't here judging DeAndre. I don't know him personally like that, or, or at least not on that level. But they could not do that with Andre Johnson. This man could not be besmirched. So here's my work, thing. Work ethic, intangible, talent, physical, like everything. Now, now I will say this, though. I do think that because of the way Andre's career, like Andre's career is over. It's already, it's already spoken for. I do think that DeAndre does have the opportunity to have, I don't necessarily think he will, but he has the, an, opp- an opportunity to become a better player than Andre, or to at least have a better career than what Andre had. James, and he, I think he probably will, more than likely. How many times was, how many times was Deshaun Watson sacked when he first got into the league? His first year? like eighty like something. It was, was sixty four, right? Uh, did did hold on? Did mm-hmm. D Hop make All Pro that year? Yeah. How did has? How many years didn't D-Hop make all pro? That's, that's what I'm saying. So, like, and I'm not, listen, I'm not knocking Andre because I am a huge Andre Johnson fan. Don't get me wrong. But we know that these things are subjective on, you know, when we talk about who we are putting our top five, who's the GOAT, things like that, it's subjective in what you look for. I look at, when I see, when I see D-Hop, I look at a guy who made three straight all pros, all pro. That means one of the best at your position out of all the wide receivers that was in the league. He made all pro three straight years with on the back end, the year that he made it, Deshaun was running for his life and DeAndre was still right there. Somebody he could depend on and he still made all pro. Now I get it. He may have had, you know, he wasn't as productive as he was in, in Arizona as he was here, but that was a whole different scheme as well too. They had a whole different scheme that they ran that the Arizona Red Raiders, that's what I call them. But you look at at, at what D-Hop did with less, and he still was one. He was – you only get uh, in the in, in all-pro, first-team all-pro. There's only two slots available for wide receiver, and three years in a row he had one of them. With, we- with them bad quarterbacks. It's interesting. It's interesting because, like, it, we're splitting hairs, really, because we're talking about Hall of Fame caliber wide receivers either way. Both of them are. 
Yes. Both of them are for sure. Uh, top five. Like DeAndre has, like, like he has an incredible amount of ability. I mean, just the fact that he catches everything, I mean, puts him in contention to be in any conversation pretty much for the most part. But hey, I see over man, there top five. Oh, who is that? Oh, uh, James over there researching. James researching. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm looking. I'm just trying to think, like in my mind, who, like who would I bump out of my top five? Well, who's your top five? B. You never said. Yeah, yeah. So, so like Jerry Rice, Jerry Rice, Randy one. Moss. Jerry, yeah, Jerry Rice one. Randy Moss. The Jerry uh, Randy Moss, I think, is the most talented wide receiver ever. But like Jerry Rice, body of work. There's just, just there's just no logical argument against it. Yeah. So Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, Terrell Owens. Uh, I'll give you. Uh, I honestly, it, y'all are gonna y'all are probably gonna gonna bucket this a little bit, but Calvin Johnson is in my top five. Like, Makes sense. And, and it's gotta be it's gotta be guys too that I, that I watch too. So like you know I'm I'm thir- I'm about to be thirty two years old. So I'm, I'm just giving you what I got. Calvin Johnson, and then for my fifth, uh, I'm trying to think. Would would I go? Would I go? Would I go? For, I don't think I would go Fitzgerald. His name, that's that's what's coming to me. I probably have to think about my fifth, but it wouldn't be. But I know it wouldn't be DeAndre. Like there are several guys that would be my fifth before DeAndre. Like Andre Johnson would be my fifth before DeAndre. Uh, uh, you know, a, a, a number, a number, maybe even a number. You're gonna of, say like Steve Smith? Uh, uh, Steve Smith? Oh. Hey, Steve Smith might actually crack Good. that before DeAndre Hopkins. Look, and like actually, a, I, he, yeah. he is. No, he he would be there before for me. Not for Steve me. Smith is. So no, here's my top five. Oh, oh Chris, 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 Carter, Chris Carter probably would have rounded out my top Carter. five. Yeah, but here's my top five in order, right? In order: T.O., Randy Moss, Jerry Rice. D Hop, Calvin Johnson. Wait, 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 wait. So you have you have D Hop before Calvin. Mm-hmm. Okay. But Calvin's still in the top five though. So Calvin, Calvin is not even Calvin could almost be. It's funny with receivers because you can put so many of them in categories of their own because they're like yep. some of them are like their own entities. Like to me, there is nothing made like Randy Moss. There is nothing made like Calvin Johnson, like to a large degree. Nothing and now and that then, route running, that was uh, a great I, route runner. Jerry, repl- Jerry Rice is the greatest route runner of all time. Yeah, that's what I, was I think you could replicate a TO, but yeah, that's not the, that, but that's just to go to show you you maybe could replicate oh. it. He was just a bad, he was just so good yeah. at it, you know. Ocho's um, TO. Hey, you know what though? Here's yeah, another I'm not as good to you. Yeah. Yeah. Here's another person that I think that I would that would I would definitely put in my top 10 who didn't play as long. And I put him and Andre in the same category. Definitely top 10. If uh, you say Wes Walker. Sterling Sharp, bro. I wasn't gonna say Wes. Sterling Sharp. If he'd oh, had more time, he had, the, he had the injuries, man. That's I don't, what but I don't feel, feel qualified because by the time I saw Sterling Sharp, man, he had already got I hurt. See, I, I don't know him enough. Go back, hold on. Go back and look and not go back and watch some of his, his YouTube if you can't pull him up and then look at his stats. Bro, this dude was amazing. He doesn't get hurt. Oh my God. He's yeah. That, 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 I've heard that before. I've heard that. 
I, I, in Madden, I in Madden, as a legend, oh my gosh, he was incredible in Madden. <laughs> incredible. Hey, like, like, hey, look, you're talking about Wes Welker, but I mean, you did hear me make a case that, like, you can consider but not put Julian Edelman in the Hall of Fame. No. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. But if Lynn Swan is there, then why not Julian Edelman? Because the times have changed. Why? Hold on. I'm glad you say that. You know what somebody said? Well, back in those days, they didn't do all that. Well, look at John Starworth, who played on the other side, who had 1,000 yards. Lynn Swan never had 1,000 yards receiving for in, in his career for a year. But in the, context, like in the context of when he played, in the context of when he played, that's not as egregious. Like, I, that's that's not a great stat. I'm not saying – but that, but in the context of when he played, that's not – like, if well, he so that, like. If that happened now, obviously, then we're talking about a whole totally different thing. Well, so, like, who's the greatest cornerback of all time? Cornerback? Yeah, is Dion. it Dion? Yes. Dion, right? It, yeah. But in all actuality, it's Night Train Lane. But we're not, we can't go back and actually watch Night Train Lane play. I have no idea. It was, yeah, it, it was, it was like Dion? No way. From what I understand, he from what when the, the 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 people that are old, like 55 60 that watch them was 50 James I almost 50 <laughs> but you're not 55 60 from what I understand that man was the baddest to ever walk a football field hey, like look, for my grandparents and stuff like that when they talk about a corner they said Dion but with Lawrence Taylor's Aggressiveness would knock your and would it, it, it was basically like Rod Woodson and Dion in one. Hey, look, I would say I would have said Rod Woodson until Barry. I love Rod Woodson, positions. but I'm just saying I've never seen that train lane play, so I can't say he's the best corner of all time. But I can understand the argument from the older heads who actually watched it and like were able to see it. But like to me, you're right, Dion is the best corner besides the fact that he never tackled. You're right. No, he doesn't. He, no, ever right. tackle, ever. He won Super Bowl with the Cowboys, though. So I mean, that's all great yeah. with me. He good with me. But like, okay, I, I know Dion. Dion's great. Oh, 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 Dion's great. Um, Blame right. James, well, bro. Tell your tell your wife it's James' fault. Yeah, you might as well. I'm gonna tell my wife the same thing. It's my fault. Um, all right, Brandon Sarge. Like this was. I, this is better than I expected. Like I expected it to be great, but I didn't. Ex- I don't even know. I don't even know what to like name this episode, because uh, <laughs> like it was supposed to be Deshaun, and then it was the draft. And now it's just like everything. Um, so hey, Brandon, now you, now you know what you got yourself into when you invited both of us to be on at the same. I time. like it. It's, it fits the energy though. It's it's perfect. Um, so Brandon and Sarge, thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys. Brandon, why don't you let uh, everybody on uh, all the listeners for Texas Love Filter know where they can find you. And um, and then we'll get to search. Yeah, man. At Brandon K. Scott on Twitter. And obviously I'm doing the B Block podcast and anything at Sports Radio 610 digitally, social media wise. That's more than likely going to be me as well. So, yeah, man. And um, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Big Star Sports with a Z. And uh, every Tuesday and Thursday, 1 to 4 p.m. on Raise the Praise 100.com uh, on Sports Talk with Big Sarge. B, I didn't know you had a podcast because I've never been on it. But, hey, James, oh. for having me on. Wow. Uh, hey, shots hey, fired. Hey, hey, look, hey, look I, I've told you, Sarge, that I'm I'm considerate. And usually, and I'm just going to share this with the listeners, a lot of times when I don't have a guest, it's because I'm doing that podcast at a very weird hour where I would never, ever ask anybody to wake up with me or to be awake when I'm doing that podcast, because I'm working it around all of this. It's a, you know, it's a, a pet project or a labor of love sort of thing. So I work it around all of the things that are necessary. So Sarge, 
be glad that I don't call you at two thirty in the <laughs> hey, morning to talk about uh, who's the best wide receiver of all time, or if, 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 yeah. if DeAndre is better. James, can I say one more thing before we go? Though? Of course, of course. I want all your, uh, I, I want all the listeners to know this. On May fifteenth, May fifteenth from one to four p.m. on RaiseThePraise100.com, I will be doing a men's mental health conference. It will be myself. Mm. Uh, former Texans player Indy Kalu. I have uh, Jaron Johnson, who is a former, uh, uh, I'm sorry, he's a, a military veteran, and Arthur Jenkins, who's a, a military veteran. So all four of us will be on from 1 to 4 p.m. Uh, doing a men's mental health conference talking about tough. Who determines what tough is? And we're going to talk about, you know, how we grew up and can we apply those same, you know, rules of being tough to today and are we doing our young men a disservice by trying to teach them the always when sometimes the always doesn't work and vice versa sometimes you have to do that but you know i want to knock down the soft wall you know calling young men soft or calling young adults man that's soft is it's soft because it's not the way you would have did it in the 80s this is 2021 you yeah. know we're, we're in a whole you can't just punch everything into a young man anymore. You can't just mm -hmm. knock him upside the head like that anymore because it doesn't work. And so, but and vice versa, you may have to teach him. And so that's what we're doing. The the, the name of the conference is who determines who's tough. Well, that's great. May May 15th, raisepraise.com. Um, you know, speaking on mental health, I'm I'm a big mental health advocate. And uh you know, I recently had to actually, for my first time, I'm 36, for my first time I had to get on medication for it um, to, to address certain things that I felt. And I always felt like I was too tough, right? I don't need it. You know, I don't need it to be better. I don't, I can, I'm tough enough to be able to fight through these things and actually maneuver through, right? And there's that vulnerability aspect that you have to have to be able to actually repair yourself and actually let that guard down and know that there are things that, that can help you and get through those things. And I've had, it's been two weeks. It's been probably some of the, I've had the best sleep I've ever had in my life. And uh, just my, my outlook and everything on it is just, everything is a lot different. And it's, it, it, it may look weak taking a medicine. You know, there's people that believe meditation and, and uh, natural supplements and, uh, you know, all these other things that you can do. The thing is about mental health is what works for some doesn't always work for everybody else. Yeah, It's about what's finding what works for you. And Sometimes you just got to figure that out. So that's interesting. Let me know if there's anything I can do to help uh, uh, promote that or or anything like that, please, because I, I think it's definitely a topic worth uh, having a conversation with. My favorite podcast, the Joe Budden Pod, they all they always talk about mental health. And Joe Joe Budden thinks he's like the sergeant of mental health. I don't know about that, but he uh, he's, he's definitely very good at uh, what he does. So um, okay, you two, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, two of my favorite people in the media to talk to, my mentors in, in both senses, both of you guys. So I. You know, you guys have opened doors for me, and I appreciate that. So thank you guys for both coming on, and we will have to do this again, I think. I'm, I'm pretty sure that – right? At the grotto? Uh, yeah, at the grotto. The grotto is actually – I put the TV in today, um, and I, I got the speakers ready. Um, so we're, we're, about, we're, about, we're about 32 days away, 32 days. I put in this really dope uh, uh, TV mount that can be pulled to face the TV – or face the pool so we can be laying on the football floats – and we got the games on. And then Brandon and, and Sarge, you guys can actually take your Nick Casario presser, the Zoom, from the pool. You guys could just 
You know, he's going to see it, and he's he's probably going to appreciate it. He's got a sense of humor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he does. I've, I've, been a little he does. Bit I've been surprised to see how many times he's cracked a joke or two in a press conference. I was not expecting that. He probably, You know, he probably is so glad to be out of New England. Oh, my gosh. So yes. To just be free and just to be able to talk and be normal or as close to normal as whatever he is. You and know, He was great with Sean and Seth today. Yeah, he was. He was great. It was a very good conversation. Uh, cool. Well, awesome. Thanks, guys. And uh, for uh, Texas Unfiltered, I'm Young Ari Gold signing off. We'll catch you guys next week.